MCs and OC. Y'all know what it is. Welcome to the breakdown. This is where the game found analytics first down. And a few inches, your players on the benches. The coaches start to huddle when you need a thirst quencher. Oh, see, throwing hands, one a million in the squad. Lorenzo hit the league, 15 years on the job. Made the Pro Bowl twice. Your boy go nice, Zachariah on the fadeaway. Represent the day to day, struggle and the grind. Keep that hustle on your mind. We ballin' on the court, read the signs of our times, whether cultural or politic. Chopping up the lotto pit, get it poppin', partner when we weaving in and out of it. It's on topic and sing, tell you what we think. Let the thoughts link, let the truth sing. Yeah, yeah, let the thoughts link. Yeah, yeah, let the truth sing. Welcome to the breakdown. This is where the game found analytics first. Two Z's and OC. Welcome to the breakdown. This is where the game found analytics first down. I don't know. To me, if I was on the committee, I'd be going way more on your eye test or whatever you want to call it than I would be based on what actually happened. Like, you can tell me all day and night, and you're right. I mean, Notre Dame beat Clemson, but Clemson also didn't have their quarterback. So use common sense on assessing whether or not you think Clemson's better than Notre Dame. I would take Clemson over Notre Dame tomorrow if Lawrence is playing all day and night. Which we get to see probably in the ACC championship game, right? So Yeah, well, unless Miami gets there. Zo, you there? Yeah, I'm here. What's up, Pimpin? It's good. You all right? Great. You good? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. You know, I, I majored in mass communications at Cal. And so when you call me yeah, out on my communication I skills. I don't know how you majored in it. I don't know how you majored in it. <laughs> well, you usually don't, uh, use it on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> all right, there we go. There it is. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds way better. All right, you guys ready to rock? Ready. All right, three, two, yep. and one. Welcome to the program. You know what it is. Two Zs and OC on Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. Follow, subscribe, rate, review, uh, whatever you got to do here in 2020. That would be your humble host, Zachariah, at Zach Sports, Z-A-K Sports. Then we got Lorenzo Alexander at One Man Gang 97. And, of course, OC at Real OC Sports. Gentlemen, first of all, premature happy thanksgiving what do you guys got planned oc what do you got planned for thanksgiving this is technically your daughter's second thanksgiving right but probably like really her first real one yeah i mean she'll actually be eating the grown-up food now we were supposed to host thanksgiving this year because you know we do like i'm married so you got to rotate on and off yep family next year but because and your family's not in utah right they're east right yeah they're spread all over the place but because Utah's a hot spot for COVID-19. Nobody and, wants to go there? Yeah, so no one's coming. So we're going to hang out with my wife's family for Thanksgiving and for Christmas and for New Year's and for the whole week after New Year's going to Mexico. So, Jeez. yeah. Yeah, a lot of in-laws. What about you, Zo? Uh, for us, just chilling at the house. Uh, my mom is going to come over. She's going to hold it since I'm in Arizona. We're going to have it outside. My mom is coming, and then my daughter and her boyfriend. So that's about it with uh, our family. And then watch the Thanksgiving parade in the morning. Eat. I got a pre and post game for the Washington football team. So I'll be doing that throughout the day as well. When did that start? You've been doing that all year? Yeah, I do it uh, bi-weekly. So I'll have like a couple of games a month that I'll cover. Uh, oh, okay. Traditionally, it's been uh, the post game, but this week, obviously, because of Thanksgiving, they probably had a hard time finding people who could do the pregame. Gotcha. All right. Well, uh, I want to get into the previous week of football, but I want to get into college football with OC. But of course, we have to start with our tweets, and it leads with, of course, you guys being right. I mean, I, I'm pretty much the straight guy on the show. I get all the flack. You guys talk crap about me. You make fun of me. I'm not a professional fighter i'm not rightfully a professional so. football player yeah rightfully so and once again i'm wrong with hundreds of votes this is how i phrased it which would you rather have happen for your favorite nfl team losing the super bowl or go one in 15 and i lose 76 to 24 percent. so you people out there would rather have a worse draft pick and no trophy 
That's what everybody's saying out there. I look, I, it's I called, lost called a winning home. culture, though. It's called winning culture. It's called a winning culture. And if you won in 15, you don't have a winning culture. <laughs> and you don't really have a team that's going to help you win probably the next two or three years. Oh, you may God. go back the next year losing in the Super Bowl, but you at least have the pieces there to actually be winning. Okay. And so I guess I'm just the last person that goes big or goes home. Yeah. You either do it right or you do it wrong. You know what I mean? There's no in between. I don't believe you in trophies. So naive, and you, you, you really have a lack of understanding of just how the world works, and just in general speaking. I mean, even a self awareness. You have you lack self awareness when you introduced yourself today. You talk about your humble host. <laughs> humble host. host yes. yes. There's nothing humble about you. So I mean, you I'm just have humble. a lack of understanding. So I'm not surprised by it at all. I, I'm trying to get used to it. You know. So. so I'm so, you know, do some things personally so I can handle you from week to week. So, you know what I often like to say? I'm not cocky. I'm confident. There's a difference. Conceited is in one category. Right. I'm just confident. Right. It's okay Once to again, a lack, a, a lack of self-awareness. <laughs> you, you can try to move the line all you want to. But I've known you. I've uh, been around you. I've witnessed you. And nothing, not too much has changed since high school. And who you think you are, who you think you were. It, it's not a big shift. You haven't really matured a lot, you know, but hey, it is, it is what it is. We are who we are, you know? It's okay. Just right. live it. Don't try to be something else that you're not. We know who you are. You know what, though? You know what the most surprising thing for me is uh, out of that Twitter poll you put up there? Uh -huh. That 24% of the respondents, that's, uh, that's too large of a group that agree with you. That's <laughs> insane. No, that's not insane. Oh. I can't that's believe all his burner accounts. That's his burner accounts going on there clicking, uh, yeah, one in 15. Hey, hey, calling hey, me KD hey, again. Hey, 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 babe, hey, babe, do this for me. Hey, click, click, uh, click yes, the one in 15. I didn't ask. I didn't. <laughs> first first of all, OC was the one that went out and said, show that Zach is not a normal human being. I didn't campaign for anybody to vote, and I'm shocked it wasn't 75% my way. It just makes no sense that what you would rather have for your favorite team is a trash season. A like, better pick. No, 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 no. Better pick, that is the tiny, tiny silver lining to make up for the misery of rooting for a bad team. Nobody actually wants that. Maybe Jets fans are just such miserable humans that they've gotten to that level. <laughs> yeah, Prime example is Detroit. What did they go? 0-16? What, what have they done lately? What yeah. have they done with that top pick? After Matt Millen picked 15 wide receivers, he finally nailed one with Calvin Johnson. Megatron. I'm just saying, but what has happened with all of those picks, yeah, no. all of that, with that losing culture up there? Yeah. What has happened? Yeah, nothing. nothing. Oh, okay. Yeah. That, I mean, that's case in point. Just start putting stupid questions on the poll. Like, <laughs> would you rather be kicked in the nuts or eat a cookie? And 24% right. of people are apparently going to agree with you. No. Nuts. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We got to get to college football here in a second because uh, for some reason, OC is obsessed with BYU, even though he's pretending like he's not. But before we get to that, uh, we need to get to Lorenzo Alexander again at One Man Gang 97. Why are you giving shots out to Steve Trasker? Do you have a relationship with Steve Trasker? Trask? At least get the man's name right. And it's Steve Tasker. It's probably Trask the greatest special teams in NFL history, which you wouldn't know because you know nothing about football. That's true. And so the guy is finally getting his Hall of Fame recognition. He needs to be in the Hall of Fame, deservingly. Was on okay. all four of those losing Buffalo Bills Super Bowl teams. Very dominant guy. And if you ask anybody in the game who should be in the Hall of Fame that's not, he's probably on top of their list as far as being deserving of the honor. And so don't come at me talking about who I'm Steve not, Tasker I, is. I, I was just yeah, I, I see. I, I you have, you no have a lack of knowledge, like so I'm educating you. He used to I, dominate your Miami Dolphins. I, that's who I, he I remember is. Thomas. I remember Andre yeah, Lee. I know. I, I know. Yeah, because you're a friend. All you, all you recognize are the people that are putting the media, you know, put on a platform. You don't realize the rest of the other 50 guys that have to ball out and do their job, too. And he did it at the highest level. And the reason why I was such a great special teams player, because I learned from a guy of his elk. So okay. get your mind right. That's who Steve Tasker is. Cornelius Bennett was the linebacker on that team as well. Okay. If you didn't know who he was, I Old Biscuit, not. baller as well. I know. Okay. I know your, your knowledge is very limited. And I, So all I view is I hope, hopefully you don't hear the, the anger in my voice, but Zach is very, he's like a pariah. He's nagging. He irritates me constantly. So when he, then when he messes up my guy's name, I got to correct him. 
So I like Trasker he, better than Tasker. Tasker, nah, nah, Tasker. Okay, okay, okay. And, one more. Multiple tasks, man. Hey, hey, he only made seven Pro Bowls, so we understand why you didn't know who he was. <laughs> exactly. I know. I know. I didn't want to throw all that out there, but it's it's all good. Okay. You know, you know what? We'll see if I lose another poll. I'll put it on the poll. Do you know who Eve Trasker is? And we'll see Nobody how many people. Well, first of all, the name okay, is wrong. Say Tasker, I know. I know. Second that was of all, a joke. you don't know half the Hall of Famers in the league. I mean, right now. I mean, so you would say a name. I, can I know find Deion guys Sanders. Like that. I know Emmett Smith. Okay, yes. I know Everybody Barry Sanders. I know yes. Joe Montana. Yes. I know a lot. Okay. All right. All right. All right. One more. Yes. <laughs> One more before we get to. Before we get to OC's obsession with BYU, um, why are they calling you the wonderful wizard of Zoe? And uh, what was this whole podcast about on whether or not you should play through injuries and COVID and stuff like that? Can you give us a little bit of an insight? I'm actually being serious about this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tremaine Edmonds, he was getting a lot of slack for his, his play. He wasn't playing up to his standards, and he was playing through injury, uh, uh-huh. shoulder injury, which is obviously uh, critical for playing any position, let alone linebacker. So, they were just talking about, you know, what is the realm of being injured versus being hurt? And how do you play? When do you make that decision? Who makes that decision? And that, you know, obviously as a player, it depends on who you are, where you're at in your career, your pain tolerance, all those type of things. And so we kind of went through that. How do you weigh that? And how many times have you done that in your career? Like how many times do you say, yes, technically I could go out on the field and play, but I know I'm going to be 50% of myself. So I'm better off resting up. How often do you do that? I well for me I never did it. I was undrafted and I was a low end, you know, bottom five, ten player for a lot of my career in the special team. So I had to go out there regardless if if I was hurt. Now if it was a first rounder with some of the injuries that I had, they probably would have sat down. And it's and it's just a different perspective as far as where they're at and their value, and I get all that. Yeah. And then also some guys don't have the same tolerance to pain. And so we could have the same exact injury, and it's just how our makeup is, our DNA. So, like, for you, you would stub a toe, Zach, and you would sit out or I would play through it, right? Absolutely. So it's, a Absolutely. it's a different mindset as far as what you need to do. Yeah, but you could hurt yourself just as much going out and playing at 50% than you could, could. be looked at as somebody that's injury prone. You could, and you could get cut, too. I mean, so, I mean, if I don't go out there and play and, and try to put it on the line, you don't make the club in the tub. It was the old school mindset. It's changed a little bit in the NFL, but when I was in the league, you didn't want to be in the training room. Even if you were borderline injured, you wanted to stay out of there and you didn't want people to know that you were hurt because of what you just said of being injury prone and potentially losing your job. So I had to play through a lot of things that probably otherwise I wouldn't have if I was valued more or a higher pick or, you know, especially yeah. early in my career. Later in my career, I probably kind of got away with it. Yeah. But I was still so locked in as far as my foundation that I played through a lot of things that I probably shouldn't have. Oh, see, how many times did you play injured at Utah? Well, how many times did I practice injured is the better question because I wasn't exactly getting a lot of run in the games. But I didn't miss time in college because I was the college equivalent of that guy who's a borderline bubble player on a roster. Uh-huh. So I didn't miss practice and even when I was But hurt. you're saying what Zoe's saying where, like, you know, he was undrafted. He wasn't some highly touted or whatever. So you're saying that you were you were going out there no matter what you had just because yeah. you had to be out there. Um, yes, because – it's, the best ability hard. is availability. It was harder enough for a player of my abilities to get noticed even when I was going 100%. Yeah. If I said, oh, coach, I'm banged up or, you know, I got a stinger or I got shin splints or my yeah. back hurts or whatever it was, yeah. they just write you off. They just say, oh, you're barely a contributor anyway, and now you're chickening out on us, now you're being a baby. They never look your way again. So I couldn't afford to do any of that, like, training table stuff. I didn't even – like, they had a mandatory policy where everyone had to get their ankles taped before practices. Yeah. Every player on the team got their ankles taped because they wanted to avoid rolled ankles and stuff like that. Yeah. And I, I hated even going into the training room for that because I didn't want coaches to see me sitting in there <laughs> yeah. next to the STEM machine. Looking like you're injured or something like that. that. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, when you're a star player, they care about your health. When you're somebody who's trying to make the squad or somebody who's just like trying to contribute, they don't care if you're hurt. They just want to know if you run down on kickoff team. I think it's interesting because if I play, if I play six games and I play it at 100% versus me playing 12 games at 50%, like what is actually better for my long-term outlook? If they say that I'm out and I'm hurt, like Zoe said, and not for the reasons that Zoe said, because I'm not soft, I played through a lot of injuries, but I would err more on the side of just, 
I don't want to go out there and not be what I know I can be versus being available for more games if in less games I can show you what I can actually be when I'm 100%. So yeah, that's what why. you're saying makes sense in the bubble, but that's not how coaches work and think. And for a, a high-end guy, value guy, yeah, that makes sense. But for somebody that's middle tier, they'll cut you. They'll have you practice, especially in the NFL. They'll have you practice if they don't think you can go or you think. And then they'll say, oh, well, you practice, you're good. We're going to cut you and bring in a, in a healthy body. And that's how cutthroat the business is as far as you letting them know how injured you was. Now, some of that has shifted a little bit with all the, you know, the, the eyes on health and safety, but it still can be like that. If you hurt too much or think they'll get you out there, run a little routes or whatever, oh, he's healthy, we'll cut you and then bring a new guy in for you. So you can't just say, oh, well, I'm better at 100 than I am at 50. Of course you are, but you could be out of a job too. Yeah, it's a slippery slope. All right, uh, OC, we've buried the lead. Your obsession with BYU, the first college rankings have come out I don't know what to do with any of this stuff. I took a picture. I literally, it was like midnight. My cat woke me up. And so I was watching SportsCenter just to go to bed. And uh, I'm filibusting here because I'm trying to get to the picture that I took in the middle of the night because I wanted to bring it up. Okay, best chance to make playoff. Okay, OC, Oregon, 27%, USC, 15%. What are you supposed to do with that? What are we supposed to do with Northwestern? What are we supposed to do with Clemson? And what's going on with BYU and why are they ranked so low? Well, look, first of all, Pac-12 is not going to get in because... Why is ESPN telling me that, that Oregon has a 27% chance? That's better want, than my poll results. <laughs> they want to keep they want to keep West Coast football fans interested, I guess, in the playoff picture. Like, there's no way, even if Oregon ends up 7-0, which means... They play all their scheduled games and they win the the Pac-12 championship. Yeah, seven and O team against even a one loss like Florida maybe or somebody like that. Oregon's uh-huh. not getting in just because the sample size. The Pac-12 shot themselves in the foot when it comes to the college football playoff by deciding to start well after everybody else. Other teams were in week eight of their season before the Pac-12 even started, so they're out this year. Uh, BYU is one of those teams that has played since the very beginning. In fact, they were the only team west of the Mississippi River that said, no, we're going to play football all year long. And they were supposed to play five Power Five opponents this year. This is the best squad they've had in a decade. Instead, they They have them at 14%. And by the way, that might be why Utah's numbers are spiking so much. (laughs) (laughs) I see. I kid. I kid. So they had to slap together a schedule. That schedule is mostly trash competition, Sunbelt teams, and, you know, like – it's borderline FCS schedule. They, they played North Alabama last weekend. All right? Right. That's barely a Division One team. <laughs> Hang on real quick, just so you know. This is going to add credence to what Zoe is saying, that my knowledge is limited, even though I think it's vast. I had no idea that there was a North Alabama squad. Like, if you had put a gun to my head and said, is North Alabama a college football school? I would have said no. North Alabama sounds like when you're watching a movie about college football. Yeah, and they have to make up a fake school, yes. Yes. Like that old show that was on when we were kids, Coach, where he coached like Minnesota State or whatever. Coach, good reference. That shows that we're the same age. What was that? (laughs) That show was great. Wait, what was the head coach's name in that show? Oh, I got to look this up now. Anyways, go ahead. Go ahead. I don't know, but all I remember is Dauber and how stupid Dauber was, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it, what it, you're saying it, is they haven't played good enough teams, and that's why they're so low? Which is, is fine. That- like, they're not a playoff team, but they're also not the 14th best team in the country. Like, if you they pass the eye test. They've got a quarterback who's going to be a first-round draft pick. They've got a, a really experienced and big and powerful offensive line. Uh, they're scheming things up very well on their offense right now. If they play an SEC team, if they play an ACC team, even if they play a Pac-12 team, defensively in the back end, they probably don't have what it takes to hang with a you know top 10 squad. But their defensive front six, front seven, it is pretty dang good. So they're probably the number 10 team in the country. 14 okay. is just disrespectful because Cincinnati, who has a very similar strength of schedule, Cincinnati, who has you know the same record effectively, Cincinnati's number seven. So they're within striking distance of this college football playoff and BYU. They're just like, nah, you're a bunch of corny white dudes. <laughs> I can give you any love. But I, hey, I tell you what, I love a coach, Kalani Satake. Uh, he's, awesome. he, he's a monster. Did you hear his uh, press conference? He was like, yeah. hey, man, we'll play anybody. And I don't know if he was being bold because he knows the pandemic and the politics of it and, and whether or not it's possible or not. 
But he was like, hey, man, we've been disrespected. And actually, we got two open dates. And if anybody wants to play us, just hit me up if you got the same open dates as us. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I actually feel bad. Kalani was my position coach at Utah. So I love that man. He's oh, okay. He's awesome. And I actually feel really bad because the way things are, bureaucracy-wise, at BYU, Kalani Sataki sits down and says things like that. His team feels the exact same way, but the administration doesn't feel like that. The people that – the athletic director doesn't feel like that. They want – I call Tom Homo. I play for Tom Homo. I'll call him, get him on the line, get him right. You need to because Tom Homo's in a situation where they want guaranteed money. You know, Washington offered them a game. They want Washington to shirk the Pac-12 rules. Look, man, just say you'll play anybody and sign on the dotted line and Washington backs out of the game. You say that Washington is the problem, not BYU's the problem, right? So I feel so, bad for Kalani and, and his players right now, which is crazy, by the way, for someone like me to say because the BYU fan base is obnoxious. The whole BYU machine is just awful. But Kalani and a lot of those players, man, they deserve more respect than 14th in the country in the college football playoff. But still, OC, what you're saying is you have them higher than what they are, but you still don't even really have them knocking on the door of the actual top four. Like well, you're saying 10, which means that they could still win out or do whatever, and, and you still wouldn't have them in your top four. Here's the real situation with BYU. I don't know if people even care about this, but the playoff is not going to happen for BYU. I don't even think it's a realistic possibility for Cincinnati. But one of those teams is going to be playing in a New Year's Six Bowl against a very good Power 5 team, and both Cincinnati and BYU and probably Coastal Carolina would have a really good chance against one of those teams. It's similar to Boise State back in the day, TCU back in the day, Utah back in the day, UCF more recently. These teams are good enough to compete with the Power 5, and the Power 5 doesn't want to hear that, and they don't want to even give them a chance to show that. So BYU, their best team in probably 20 years, is going to end up playing in like the – race for the cure bowl against a team like coastal Carolina, they'll get a win and people will pretend it doesn't matter. And I don't like that as someone who was lucky enough to be part of the original BCS busting Utah team. We at least got some due respect, mm -hmm. but we should have been able to play a tougher opponent. We played Pitt. They were the 15th ranked team in the country. Wasn't even a yeah. game. We yeah. should have been able to play like a big team, like a Texas, a USC, give us a game. We actually could have lost. Right. So because of that, I have some empathy for what BYU is feeling right now. Yeah, and that was under Urban Meyer, right? Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, look, 2020 is weird in general. Everything's been weird. The bubble with the NBA, the bubble with baseball, hockey. I mean, like, nothing is going to be normal. I just think it's interesting. When I see predictors, and it's ESPN trying to strike up the interest in West Coast college football rooting for whatever, but when they put those statistics out, I don't think they have any rooting interest in the matter and yes I, you think so you think that's all the <laughs> they have no chance so yeah uh, i mean we would be naive to sit here and act like media doesn't have an interest in in how they perceive things and, and who they portray on tv to get deep always, ratings and, and keep people interested but so they always and, talk about an east coast bias not a west coast bias yeah i mean but 25 percent is not a it's not a bias but they got like OC said earlier, you still got to keep people interested enough in, in the product that you're putting out there. And so for you to turn off the, and to say, oh, Pac-12 is completely out of the, the playoff system, it would just you're going to lose a lot yeah, of odds. Yeah, 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 I mean, you're going to yeah. lose. So they do have a reason why they would maybe push those numbers up a little bit higher than what we actually know all reality is. Because everybody I've heard that if that's in that world says the Pac-12 has no chance at all. So then why would it be 25%? I mean, that's that's pretty high. I mean, yeah, you still yeah. die for yeah. for go from zero percent to jump to twenty five percent. Yeah. So that I mean, there's a reason why. Okay, fair enough. By the way, shout out to all the 37-year-olds out there that were born at or around 1983. Uh, Craig T. Nelson played the great Coach Fox and Coach, and the lunatic that uh, OC was referring to is Jerry Van Dyke, Coach Luther. And then, of course, Christine was the love affair for no, Coach. No, Luther was great, but Dauber, man. Remember Dauber? Oh, Dauber. Yeah, he was Dauber a disaster. No, but Luther used to have panic attacks. 
Yeah, but you're like the Dauber of this show. Dauber was just like this big, tall doofus who never had anything intelligent to say. Okay. All right. All you right. brought that, him in for some comedy relief. Okay, okay, now we're just mean. All right, let's move on to the NFL, shall we? Uh, I want to start here. Lorenzo apparently has like 18 jobs. I can't even keep up with him. But he lives in Arizona, and I know he's got insight on the Arizona Cardinals, does pre and post, or at least does something for them. The Seahawks in this game, to me, though, when I watched it, because it was one of the, you know, I got two TVs in the crib. It was yeah. one of the games that I was watching predominantly. And oh what, I, well, when I walked away from this, we know that their defense is no longer the Legion of Boom. But right. what I walked away from that game being most impressed with was it was almost like the Seahawks had been hearing everybody talking about how bad their defense had been yeah. the entire year. And they really put their foot down. And I think they were the difference in this game because it was 28-21. But yeah. I walked away from that game more being impressed with the pride that the Seahawks defense had. Right. And, and you know what? The, I think there's two big differences. I mean, in that game, Seattle's three top corners were out. So that was surprising in the fact that Arizona Cardinals couldn't stretch the field. They didn't have any real big passing plays in the passing game. And that's what Seattle's been giving up all year. So yep. they really made – and emphasis as far as the Seattle Seahawks defense is to keep everything in front of them. Ben, don't break. Allow Arizona to make some mistakes, which they did eventually throughout that game by being out of sync from time. It really wasn't anything Seattle did. It was more what Arizona wasn't doing. Mm-hmm. And then I would say the emergence of Carlos Dunlap as far as him being the pass rusher. This is the second week with the team. And so he really showed up big in that game and obviously even sealed the game with a big time sack. And so just watching him play, watching the veteran leadership and the passion he brought along with that young Seattle Seahawks defensive back group really not allowing any explosion plays, really was the difference in that game. And then you add in Carlos Hyde, who, who finally got back. And so they had a run game, and he was physical. I mean, he was running cats over. I think they ended up averaging 5.3 yards a carry. And so anytime you're able to do that and be two-dimensional, I mean, it's hard to beat Russell Wilson. That was eventually what happened. How much of a factor do you think Jamal Adams has been? Jamal is great in the box. I love Jamal in the box, blitzing, getting after people. And so he brings that swag, that intensity in, in that perspective. But as far as the pass game, I don't know if he's, you know, helping in that in either way. But he integral part in being disruptive when it's run, you know, blitzing, those type of things. But as far as the pass game, I think he's, he's actually more of a liability if he was to ask me. But overall, he's doing well. But, you know, he helps. He's better than what they have behind him. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of what they've done differently. And you mentioned Dunlap. I'm just trying to think of things that have been different since they've been so horrible in the beginning and everybody was talking about That's, Russell I mean, Wilson, you know. Jamal I, I, was a part of that early when he was giving up all those points. He was healthy the first, you know, four or five weeks of the season. So I don't know if he's a difference maker. I would say just more of the, the entirety of that back end, not giving up these big chunk yard plays, which beat mm-hmm. you in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And then now trying to find some sort of pass rush with adding Carlos Dunlap, who is, you know, if you look at his numbers, is probably a borderline Hall of Famer, but because he's been stuck in Cincinnati all these years, he kind of gets overlooked as far as his production and what, he, what he's been able to contribute to the NFL. Yeah, that happens in Ohio. Oh, see, uh, I mean, I walked out of this game, maybe a little bit of it was Monday night with the Buccaneers, and we'll get into that, but I had the Buccaneers last podcast talking about them as the favorites, but... If Seattle's defense is going to show that much pride and be that much, I mean, they don't even have to be amazing. If they can just be not horrible, I mean, they're probably your NFC favorites, no? Maybe, but I mean, like Joe said, I think that that Arizona game was a little bit more about Arizona's shortcomings than it was about Seattle winning, right? The offensive line, Carlos Dunlap played a great game, but the offensive line was not doing a good job picking up pressures, passing off guys when they were stunting. Like, they had some struggles there. And even Kyler Murray, who's obviously one of the brightest young stars in the league, he was out of sync, at least with Hop. You never see DeAndre Hopkins getting upset with his quarterback about missing him and when I'm open, why aren't you seeing me? And there was a couple times in that game that it was happening because I think Ugo Mahdi, who's a decent cornerback, I think that he was isolated over DeAndre Hopkins a couple times, and Hop wins that battle every single time. And – Kyler Murray was having a hard time finding him. So I I think a big part, like, I don't read too much into one individual performance here. Yes, Seattle's defense is playing better. And we we should have always assumed that that was going to happen. They were going to regress towards their own mean, which is at least decent play. But this was kind of a choke job by Arizona. That's probably too strong of a term, but they just, they weren't their their best. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're probably right up on it. And it's a divisional game, too, right? So they know each other. They Seattle had already lost to them, and so this was kind of like a revenge tour. They had lost maybe, was it two or three games in a row? Yeah. And so they couldn't continue on this slide. Or three or find four, themselves. I think. Maybe, three or four, yeah. Yeah, maybe. And that was when, when Russell threw it, three picks, yeah. Right. When you look at what the Rams are doing, and then you're looking at what Arizona does, they lose this game. They may be the, the AC, you know, just because of the way the, the rest of the NFC is shaping up. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the day, they lost it because of penalties, which has been their biggest issue all year. Towards the end of that game, you have the tight end messing up. Kyler gets upset, intentional grounding. And so then they get backed up to like the one yard line. And then on the next play, the right guard has a holding call. And so it's a safety. So they get two points and they get the ball back and go down and kick a field goal. Now you have to score a touchdown. And so just things like that within the game that have really hurt the Arizona Cardinals throughout this season with penalties like that is really the reason why they lost this game. Well, let's move on to the Saints-Falcons game. I want to start with OC here because he is a fellow white boy that's tried to be an athlete. I guess he would say that he was more successful at being an athlete than I was, which is probably true. Although I ran a 530 mile twice. I don't think you've ever done that. You know what I'm saying? What does that uh, have to do with what does that have to do with it? A 530 mile? You know what that is? That's, that's not elite. That's persistent. That's not elite. 530? That's, who people don't, that's not elite. They mile is incredible, and you, I did it twice. You cannot, where would you compete running a 530 mile? With I, who? That's not elite. You two. Better than you two. We're playing NFL elite. We're not runners. All we right. We're not runners. My point is, trying to be a white boy athlete is a struggle. You know what I'm saying? so bad. Your 530 mile might win you like the Nebraska girls high school state championship. You want to be great so bad. It's hilarious. Hashtag first team all league. Anyways, as a white boy that's tried to be an athlete and had dealt with that, you know what I'm saying? Nobody feels my struggle. I know OC can at least fill me here, but actually I want to get into a serious conversation because I found this to be particularly odd. We talked about Winston last year and how many touchdowns he thrown and he threw just as many interceptions, which is why Tampa Bay went and got Brady. But the Saints were all of a sudden dealt with Drew Brees, you know, getting whatever, 50 million ribs cracked and a collapsed lung or whatever. That I mean, his injury list was like too long for me to even read. And they were dealt with the decision of you're paying Taysom Hill, who's kind of like a running back, receiver, fullback, whatever, special teams, all sorts of stuff. Then you have Winston coming in on a cheap deal as the backup. And, you know, Peyton was dealt with the decision on whether or not to start Winston or Taysom Hill. And they ultimately went with Taysom Hill. I'm wondering, number one, OC, like, what do you think went into the decision on picking him over Winston? And for the Saints, for me, I can't see them being a Super Bowl contender unless Drew Brees is going to be fully healthy. And by all reports, he's not going to be healthy by the end of the season. Yeah, so there's, I think, probably three things that go into this. You can't ignore the contract, right? Sean Payton might not care about who's getting paid more, but the GM does and everyone else does. Uh, Taysom Hill's highly compensated. And I think there's a boredom factor for Sean Payton where he wants to see if he can be creative and he can do Taysom Hill that nobody else is doing with their quarterback, right? You think it's a creative thing? And then if it works out, he's a genius because he's got this Cam Newton-type quarterback player where he can be running speed option and all of these different looks that nobody's really given in the NFL. And look, <laughs> they were playing against a pretty bad Atlanta Falcons team. So he probably knew, okay, if the safe call is to go with Jameis Winston, I can take a risk here and do some gadget work with Taysom Hill because of this matchup. Taysom is a phenomenal athlete. Like, when you say us white boy athletes, we don't get to put ourselves right. anywhere near where Taysom Hill is at. <laughs> Thank you, O.C. I didn't know what that whole lead-up had to do with Taysom Hill. Thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> hey, I dunked in a championship game in Tahoe. Oh, wow. Hey, okay. Taysom I got people that can back that up. <laughs> Taysom Hill is an elite world-class athlete. He's one of the strongest guys on his NFL football team. He's 240 pounds and still running sub four five. He can hey, throw. Oh, I don't mean to bring race up again, but when you're saying super athletic, we're still talking white athletic. No, he's not. not. 
No, that's the whole point. No, he's, not. Like, he's, not. he's not like Michael Vick. What are you we'll see. saying? What are you saying, There are different categories of athletic. What is that? What is that? So, Christian McCaffrey. I don't want to keep digging my own. I'm just trying to figure out what are you talking about? Okay. I would ask OC, is he There might not be a significant amount of white athletes that are in that superior category, but they when they're up there, they're up there. So, I mean, yeah. Who else is like Michael Vick? There's not a whole bunch of Michael Vicks, black, white, purple. Walking around. He's not Michael Thomas athletic. I'll, I'll take his own team. He's not Michael Thomas athletic. Okay. Oh, this, this, oh, this annoys me. All right. Me. <laughs> okay, so Taysom Hill is he's pushing 30 years old, right? He's an old guy. He runs, coming out of college, is like a 28-year-old and runs a 4-4-40 mm-hmm. at 237 pounds. Mm-hmm. Impressive. You've seen him jump over people. You've seen him run over people. You've yep. seen him spin. You've seen him juke people out of their minds. You've seen him throw, run, catch. I, I get it. It's less common for the Caucasian persuasion to have this kind of athletic. <laughs> right. So why are you not at least celebrating when there's one guy who does? <laughs> I'm just saying it's a different kind of athletic it's is all not I'm saying. Okay. That's all right. all I'm saying. I don't know what that means. Okay. Christian McCaffrey is probably the only white person that I can point to and say athletic. Every other time that we're talking about white athletic, Brent Berry dunking from the free throw line or whatever, we're talking about a different kind of athletic. And if I have to be the one to say it, I'll be the one to say it. But you're missing the point when it comes to this singular type of athleticism that makes him a problem even for elite NFL defenders. Different kind of problem, though, OC. No, it's not a different kind of problem. Okay. All right. He can do what Derrick Henry does, and it bothers you because he's the wrong complexion. <laughs> he's just, is he Saquon Barkley athletic? Uh, I mean, do you what? want to combine numbers which are designed to measure their <laughs> Is he Alvin Kamara athletic? You're I mean, in the top tier guy. What is your point? He is athletic. He breaks okay. guys down. What all do right. Mean? All right. I'm just saying it's. What like, are you trying to say? <laughs> Let's get back to the point. Okay. All right. Instead of of doing race, let me use a different word. It's not elite athletic. How about that? But it is, though. You you have him where on the athletes in the NFL? He's He's not top 100. What? What? I just sometimes I wonder. The plays that you've seen him make? Man, just keep going on, OC. He just likes (laughs) to derail the conversation and go down rabbit holes. I don't know why your white self-loathing comes in to hate not hate, <laughs> but look, at the end of the day, Taysom Hill, like he ended up playing a great game. He answered at least the early questions about whether or not he can be a starting quarterback in the NFL, yes. yeah. but he did it against Atlanta. And do you remember when Mike Leach went down and his first SEC game at Mississippi State was against LSU and he had KJ Costello's quarterback and he like, the air raid worked for one week, Right. And then all these SEC coaches, we just got to play kind of a soft zone and let these guys try and find the green space they're running to. But our guys have the athleticism to close. So it took one week for people to figure out how to beat the air raid in the SEC with the athletes they have. Yeah, That's what I'm worried about with New Orleans starting Taysom Hill at quarterback. This cool gadget stuff against Atlanta was fun when nobody else had really seen it. It's awesome when you're doing it eight plays a game. But – if you're trying to do this, first of all, it's not sustainable for Taysom Hill's health. And second of all, defensive coordinators are going to get three weeks of film on this in the NFL, and they're going to have better defenses than Atlanta does, and they're going to say, yeah, we're not letting Taysom Hill, the quarterback, beat us. Yeah, I mean, because in a lot of ways, he's a rookie quarterback, and that's what you see with rookie quarterbacks, you know, a la, you know, Tua. When the games get tighter, when you play better teams, or the score or the, the flow of the game is a lot tighter, and you rise above – everybody else like a Drew Brees does like all these elite quarterbacks do and put the game on your shoulders and still make all these throws when teams have film on you when they can study when they can break you down they understand your tendencies and so that's that the verdict is still out but I'm not ready to crown him yet as far as the future of the New Orleans organization until he's able to string four five six games together where he looks viable and will he have some bad games in there yes but I want to see is he growing what does he do when, when the pressure's on? How can he continue to develop and make these throws and be accurate and all these things when people are now attacking his weaknesses? And that's what we have to wait on. Answer your initial question, I, Peyton went with him because we know what you're going to get out of Jameis Winston. You know, you know what he is. This is Peyton's guy, 
he's probably been trying to get him in there for now. You know, this probably is Drew Brees last year. So let me go with my guy right now to OC's point in a non-pressure situation versus a not good Atlanta Falcons team and put him out there and let's see what he can do. And, and he showed well. He did well. Well, I got to disagree with OC when it comes to the salary factoring into it because I'm sure, Zoe, you've outplayed your contract plenty of times and you've probably seen a lot of players under play what their salary was so I don't think the salary means that much but but, okay well but ultimately in the playoffs do you think you're going to see a Drew Brees that's going to be playing super banged up a guy that may or may not have been figured out at that point in Hill or Winston who had an up and down season with the Bucks like what do you think this team if Drew can go he's going to put Drew out there Okay. If it goes down and, and let's say the playoffs, let's say Taysom finishes out this year, and that's kind of hard to say what's going to happen. But if Drew goes down, he, I think he's going to go back with Taysom Hill because that's his guy. That's who he trusts. And I don't know if, if Jameis has changed because the sample size isn't big enough to know if he's grown enough not to still be a turnover machine, which kills you in games. Yeah. And so when coaches are faced with the uncertainty of whether or not a guy has gotten better as far as turnovers versus this is my guy. He's going to go with his guy because if you're going to go down losing or not achieving what you're supposed to do, you're going to go down with guys that you trust and that you handpicked and that you want. And so I think he'll end up going back to Hill if Drew can't go based on what happens over the next four or five weeks. So in the last podcast, I was trying to do this thing where did this tell about this team or the other team? And this was a game where I literally walked out of it with no opinion. I do not know what to do. With the Titans or the Ravens, the Titans beat the Ravens 30-24. to 24. Lamar Jackson, what was he, the first ever unanimous MVP? Or I, was it the first ever? I think it might have been. Anyways, unanimous MVP, and the Ravens offense looked dominant until they got stopped in the playoffs, or not even really stopped, but end up losing to the Titans in the playoffs. And yeah, got upset. But I walked out of this game, and for me, I'm done with both of them. Like, I don't think either of these two teams are going to be contending for a Super Bowl. I don't know what to do with Lamar. I think Lamar has done everything to prove that he can be an overall great quarterback. And I've told you what I felt about the Titans and not really believing in Tannehill or whatever, or just like it not feeling like they're it. But OC, like you look at that game 30 to 24, and to me, it could have gone 30 to 24 the other way, and I would have the same opinion. I don't think either are going to be contending. I think we've talked about at least – Tennessee like you have to Derrick Henry's an elite player you don't have an elite quarterback and you're not going to win a Super Bowl in today's NFL without an elite quarterback because is Lamar Jackson elite he's probably approaching that category but I don't think when you talk about his performances this year his overall gameplay this year that you can put him in the same category as the truly elite quarterbacks and I'm talking about Russ I'm talking about Patrick Mahomes obviously uh you probably have to put Ben Roethlisberger in that category again. He's been in and out of it during his career. But at the end of the day, they're both two very good teams that when we get into the AFC playoffs are going to run up against a Pittsburgh buzzsaw or a Kansas City buzzsaw, and that's going to be the end of the road for them. And that's just the way the NFL is. Year in, year out, it's a cycle, right? Uh, Tennessee has a lot of really impressive pieces. I love what their coaching staff has done with those pieces, but – you can only get so far with Ryan Tannehill as your starting quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I, and, and I would agree with that. You have to be able to be dynamic. And both these teams obviously put up yards to show that they can contend. Obviously, Tennessee was in the AFC Championship game last year. Lamar Jackson, as you mentioned, was is your reigning MVP. And they have a really good defense to go along with it. For me, it's all about getting hot at the right times. And so when I look at the Baltimore Ravens' defense – I don't know if they've played to their standard the last couple of weeks. If they can get back to where they are as far as elite and they can figure out a way to stop some of these teams, you talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers or the Kansas City Chiefs or even the Buffalo Bills, their high-powered offense, which they have the ability to do, they can compete with anybody. Because as long as they're in tight games, you have a chance because Lamar is so explosive. He can make a big-time home run run anytime. He can find a way to get to a ball to some of his playmakers. His issue right now is – if they're down or if their defense is not playing at that level, can he win the game from the pocket and stretch the field and open it up and spread it out? And he hasn't quite developed into that. And that's why I don't think he's quite in the elite category yet, even though he has been an MVP because he had an MVP season. But 
I think people are understanding how to play him a little bit better in the run game and play some of their schemes. And so he has to continue to evolve, especially having hopefully a, a more traditional offseason next year to work on the things that's going to take him to be a, a maybe not an elite passer, but a solid passer from the pocket, at least can make some things and move down the field so you don't feel like you just have to, you know, run the ball and keep it tight and play defense. As far as the Titans, we'll see. I don't, their defense isn't good as Baltimore's, but they, you know, Vrabel, they've had come out and done great schemes. They, they play well. They play solid. They play physical. And again, if they can keep this game into a smash mouth game tight and allow Henry to still run, I trust that because he's he's been the king for the last, you know, two, two and a half years as far as how he runs the rock. And he can explode at any time. I just don't trust Tannehill quite yet to say he's going to outduel uh, Ben Roethlisberger or Patrick Mahomes when they go head to head if their defense is up to par and the game is tight. So that's kind of where I stand at it. They are borderline contenders. You know, if they get hot, defense is playing well, they, they have a chance. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'll I agree with you, Zoe, that, you know, he's a p- elite status, but maybe he's not done enough to show that he actually is that. But I think that he's gotten closer than he even was last year. And I think that this season is more of a byproduct of how much their running game is not the same anymore. Their running game is not the same. I mean, Mark Ingram and I like Edwards, all those guys, like they were shoving it down your throat last year and they're just not now. So yeah, they're asking for Lamar to do more. And I think he's done more than he did last year, but he can't do enough to overcompensate for what I think has been just a huge drop back in terms of their run game. All right. Three more games, rapid fire Colts Packers last week. We talked about, does this tell you more about one team or the other? Once again, this told me more about the Colts than it did about the Packers. The Packers are kind of the pretenders that I thought they were. Aaron Rodgers is that dude. And Obviously, he could probably win you any game, but I don't think there's enough there. And to me, this told me more about the Colts actually might being something. They both moved to seven and three. I don't think I learned anything new. I mean, I think both these teams were where they're at. The Colts defense ended up just making a great play in overtime and taking the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands because – if, he, if the guy doesn't fumble the ball, I believe Aaron Rodgers marches down the field and scores. That's true, and then I might be singing a totally different song. <laughs> I'll, I'll see what you make of that game. I mean, Joe hit it on the head, right? If you give Aaron Rodgers a final possession in a close game like this, your chances – I would actually love to know what the true, like, sabermetrics analytics answer is. Aaron Rodgers, in a one-score game, gets the yeah. final drive – where does your win probability go? Especially like him and Devontae Adams are gelling right now. He's got the, what's the guy, Tanya? Right? He's got this uh, this like new toy at the tight end position that he's starting to play with some. Uh, so, yeah, like. Tonyan. Tonyan. Yeah. Robert, like Robert, Robert Tonyan. That's a perfect Green Bay Packers name. <laughs> yeah, so, it is. Yeah, like, but, but this is how, to the Colts' credit, this is how you beat someone like Aaron Rodgers. You take the ball out of his hands and you don't let him make the plays. And in the NFL, when everything is geared towards offense right now, we better be celebrating the defense making a good play to seal things for their team. All right, real quick, let me ask both of you, because I think that I have them way further down than you guys. But where do you have them in terms of the NFC? Because I think I have them probably out of my top five, and I'm guessing you guys probably have them in your top three. Talking about Green Bay? Yeah. Um, just the NFL, just the NFC. I mean, they're up there because of Aaron Rodgers and what, it, what he's able to do every week. I mean, so he's going to always apply pressure to you and, and be able to put up points, especially as the games get bigger. I, I can't even think of you. I mean, you guys, well, who's up there? Seattle, Arizona, you got the Rams. New Orleans. Green Bay, New Orleans. Depending on what happens with Drew Brees and Taysom and seeing his development, you got the Bucks. So, yeah, they probably – you could probably shuffle some of those teams around because I think they're in the same basket as – probably Arizona, Seattle right now, and they could probably shuffle around at five depending on whose okay. defense shows up a little so you bit better that week. So you think it's interchangeable? You don't have them either higher or lower? Yeah. Fair enough. What about you, OC? Yeah, I'm kind of in the same situation. Look, New Orleans, it's all based on this Drew Brees thing. Like what I said about, you know, you're not going to win a Super Bowl with James Winston. You're not going to win a Super Bowl with Taysom Hill as your starting quarterback. So Drew Brees back and healthy in time for a playoff run. Uh, I think Tampa Bay is going to be there. I know everyone overreacts when things don't go well and when Bruce Arians says something mean about Tom Brady. Like, I'm not in that. <laughs> oh, I didn't even. Yeah, I didn't even want to get into all that. That's so sure. stupid. I mean, this is an incredibly experienced team with dudes who know how to win, and they'll they'll hit another gear when they get into the playoff scenario. So Tampa Bay is probably still way up there for me as a favorite. I don't trust L.A. 
So Green Bay is probably in that three or four category for me. Okay, the Chiefs Raiders, 35-31. to 31. This came down to what I've been talking about all year long with Zoe, and he laughs at me like, what's he supposed to do, win the game 80 to nothing or whatever. But it was another game where Patrick Mahomes seemed oh. like, oh, okay, it's time no, to leave now. No. Here I come. no, now you're lying. Because I actually watched most of this game, and he started off hot. He marched. He was doing whatever he wanted. I was very impressed with, with P. Mahomes the whole game. Yeah, but I mean, once but, again, I mean, he didn't all, take – He did. What you call it? The, the Raiders – Aaron Carver's out there balling too now. He was. Don't act like they, I mean, they, exactly. So he doesn't play defense. So he's yes. out there doing his thing. And Derek Carr was out there doing his thing. So it was a great duel. He got the ball last, marched down and did what P. Mahomes does. Okay, look, so I know you well. I know that you're a man of faith. You are somebody that. Uh, Why do you always I, say that, man of faith? You know me well. I'm just saying, yeah, oh, I know. You're a great those father. things about me. You're a yeah, great husband. That, what does that You're, have to do with anything? Okay, but what I know about <laughs> all of us is that by complimenting you. Let's go. Let's hear it. Yeah, okay. I know. I know. Anyways, what I know about all of us is that we're not millennials, so we're a little bit more on the old school side. So I'm sure you don't let your kids beat you when you play sports. Yes or no? You're going to beat them until – they, yes, so they, they, can they beat, beat you. They can yeah, yeah. I exactly. remember my, right. my dad did not cry when his mom died. He did not cry when his dad died. He was a Dutch immigrant, and they were very cold. He didn't show any emotion then. The most time that I ever saw him show emotion was when his German shepherd died and when I beat him for the first time in basketball because he would beat the brakes off of me my whole life, right. and then I finally was able to beat him. What I'm saying about Mahomes is, it feels like my dad out there back when I couldn't beat him. Oh, we'll play around. We'll do whatever. We'll do whatever. Oh, fourth quarter time? Okay, now I'm going to beat you, and you go cry in your Cheerios. That's what he did with the Raiders. Put, how many points did they put up? Who? 31. I mean, the, the Chiefs. 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 Yeah, they, they put up 35. The, 35. The, the, you, he had to do that. He did that all game. Boom, 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 boom. It's not like he just thought, oh, fourth quarter, let me let me score five touchdowns in the fourth quarter. No, here's the difference. He, here, the whole game. he doesn't play defense. Their defense here, is not all of that. That's why they need Pat Mahomes. Here's Patrick Mahomes, the father. First quarter, seven points. Second quarter, seven points. Third quarter, seven points. Okay, fourth quarter, it's time to win or lose. Okay, 14 points. Boom, 35 to 31. Oakland, goodbye. Yes, and, and look it, and look it. And I saw and I watched the game. So there was actually another touchdown that they missed or out on because they had a young receiver run the wrong route and he threw a pick going into halftime. So yeah. Pat Mahomes is always balling at the top level. He's not playing around. You like to say that. It sounds cool. And then he just turns it on. He just does whatever he wants to do in the league. But he doesn't. He balls out the whole game. Like I said, I watched probably the first half all the way and then bits and pieces of the same. I was impressed in the first. I was like, my God, I got to watch him more. He's a baller. This dude plays hard the whole game. He does stuff in the first quarter as much as he does. In the, the dude right. is not playing around. Oh, and see, that's why he put up 35. Oh, see, I'm guessing you're going to agree with Zoe. Well, I, I don't know if there – I don't even know what there is even to agree with. Like, what, what, we, saw, <laughs> what we saw in this game was – a phenomenal duel between two young quarterbacks. The Kansas City Chiefs came out on top to the surprise of absolutely nobody. A big takeaway from this is that you've got to put some respect on Derek Carr's name, dueling it out with Patrick Mahomes if you hadn't already felt that way about him. Like, this is an impressive regular season performance, as quality of a loss as you can get in a world where quality losses shouldn't be handed yeah. out. Like, Derek Carr played a phenomenal game. He was visibly frustrated because he didn't get the win. That that might be like the fourth best game of his entire career, and it's a loss, right? So what, Zach ain't going to show him no love. Zach ain't going to show him no love. He can't stand Derek Carr. He ain't going to show him no love. Show him some love. Go ahead. What? Nobody has been a show bigger Then Show him some love. Show him some love right now. Love in the world. My, the question he still ain't saying nothing. Show it to him. Say it. Give him a compliment. What did he do well? He played amazing. He played amazing. He's <laughs> been a big defender of Derek Carr than me. And what I wanted to end with is that the national pundits walked away from this game talking more about the Raiders than they did about the Chiefs. A lot of the people are saying it shows that the Raiders are for real. They've won ugly. It's a divisional game, too. It yeah. is a divisional game. They had, a, I think they're the only team to intercept P. Mahomes, but they have two in that game again. They had one the first one. I mean, so they have a great understanding of who he is because they see him all the time. And so you can see what the Raiders are capable of, but are they capable of doing that week in and week out? 
especially when the familiarity may not be there, is what it's always my question when teams seem to rise up versus the elite of their division. And look, part of the reason why the media came away talking about the Raiders is because there's questions about Carr, there's questions about Gruden, there's questions about that whole franchise. There's no questions about the Kansas City Chiefs. We know that they are the elite team in the league right now. They're defending Super Bowl champs. you got Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid just totally cohesive with one another. And at the end of this game, they came out on top. So it's not like it wasn't a surprise to anybody. So the more compelling conversations are about like, hey, the Raiders maybe can compete. Will they win against the Chiefs? Eh, who knows? But they at least can compete. That's a more interesting storyline than, yep, just like we thought, the Chiefs are really damn good. <laughs> Gentlemen, favorite side dish. We're going to end on this. I just got my uh, my sister-in-law is like incredibly paranoid about the uh, the Rona. And so your boy had to go stick a, uh, you know, a Q-tip in my nose a couple times over there in uh, Pinole over yeah. by the uh, casino. I, w- I was almost tempted to go into the casino, but then I thought if I just got tested, I probably shouldn't go to a casino because then I could probably <laughs> no, get smart. it. Good so, decision. Yeah. Good decision. Yeah. So, I, so I just went home, uh, but I just got my negative go results on, back. Shout out to Pinole. Um, but favorite side dish for Thanksgiving? Oh, wow. For me, I think it has become, because I married my wife. She's from Salt Lake, so OC may, may know about these. We call them yummy potatoes, but they're called Mormon potatoes. It's yeah. like a play on potatoes or gratin with yeah. the cornflakes on top. Funeral potatoes, baby. Yeah, funeral potatoes. That's another name for them, too. Yeah, they, they're pretty fire. I love those. It's like wait, a, wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. Flakes on potatoes? Hey, 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 hey. I can see you are about to start criticizing. Right. I, th- I didn't say, I just never heard that. I'm that sounds like. what it is. I know. Okay. I know you don't know. You don't know much about anything. You just been stuck in your bubble up there in the hills of Berkeley, just chilling, doing your own thing, man. You yep. know, stand to yourself. Yep. All right. What's your favorite side, OC? I'm a, not too far off of zone. Like, I, I'm a traditional Irish boy, mashed potatoes, but no gravy for me. I just like no my- gravy, no gravy, salt, a little bit of salt, a little pepper, the butter, only butter that has already been whipped into the potato in the original preparation. I'm not adding not, not butter on top. Butter. Okay. Hopefully there's some skins in there. And if there's not skins, hopefully there's at least a little bit of lump, like not too many lumps, but oh, just yeah. a little bit of lump. My mom knows how to do it. Okay. So yeah, you're not going to get those this year. <laughs> you just give me a big old slab of turkey. And give me some potatoes, no gravy, and give yeah. me some cranberry sauce on the side. It's oh, a well, plate by a lot of people's standards, but it's all I need. You just took my one, and I know that Zoe's going to make fun of me for this, but I am a cranberry sauce guy. If you look at my plate okay. on Thanksgiving, it's about— It's not really a side. That's a condiment, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what do you put it on? That's fine. You can put it on a lot of things. You can put it on your turkey. You can put it on your dressing. No, I mean, it's fine. It's not no. really. You that's, not that's, a, that's not a dish. You, you, you give cranberry sauce. You, with stuff. you give cranberry sauce. It's oh, we'll proper it dude. That it's is, a dessert. That, it's a dessert. That is, it's, not, that is, it's, not a, it's not a food. No, cranberry sauce deserves its own lane. It gets eaten it's separately. Sauce. It's cranberry sauce. Sauce is a condiment. Let me ask you this. Zachariah. Let me ask you this. Zoe kind of just trumped me there. What? What? (laughs) You can get get the No pun intended, by the way. You can get like the homemade, fantastic, like attention to detail cranberry sauce. Or you can get the ocean spray cranberry can. That's what he gets. No, 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 no. You open that can. No. No, ain't no jelly roll. We get it homemade, (laughs) pimping. Homemade. I like it all, man. I'm not yeah. criticizing. I like you give me one it's of those great. cans. I'll just put it out on a plate so it still holds the can shape. And I slice <laughs> pieces off. You got the whole <laughs> it doesn't bother me at all. I love that stuff. All right, gentlemen. At two Z's and OC on Instagram and Twitter at one man gang97 for Lorenzo Alexander. At Real OC Sports for Sean O'Connell. I'm at Zach Sports, Z-A-K Sports. Wait, all wait, right, wait. gentlemen. Enjoy. Eat up well. One second. What up? Can I ask, can I make a request thing on the Twitter poll this week? Yeah, what do you want? Will you put on the Twitter poll, is Taysom Hill an elite athlete by NFL standards? Uh, can I leave out by NFL standards? No, because that's what you want people to be comparing. Is he an elite athlete compared to all of those other elite NFL guys that yeah, you're, you're What is right, it he compared to you, Zach? I mean, so who, why, I mean. No, that's true. Who, who else is he compared to? Yeah, yeah, no, putting that in there helps my case.
All right, I'll do it. All, All right. right, gentlemen. All right. Holla. All right. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye. Happy Thanksgiving. Two Z's and O-C. Y'all know what it is. Two Z's and O-C. Welcome to the breakdown. This is where the game found. Analytics first down. And a few inches. Your players on the bench. The coaches start to huddle when you need a thirst quencher. O-C throwing hands. One a million in the squad. Lorenzo hit the league. 15 years on the job. Made the pro. Go nice Zachariah on the fadeaway. Represent the day to day struggle in the grind. Keep that hustle on your mind. We ballin' on the court. Read the signs of our times, whether cultural or politic. Chopping up the lotto pit. Get it poppin' partner when we weaving in and out of it. It's on topic in sync. Tell you what we think. Let the thoughts link. Let the truth sing. Yeah, yeah. Let the thoughts link. Yeah.